Hi, I'm Colleen Doran. Currently, I'm working with Neil Gaiman on some wonderful projects like Snow Glass Apples. Our other book is Troll Bridge. And I have lots of other fun things coming out with Warren Ellis and Matt Hawkins at Top Cow, a new series called The Clock. And I'm the creator of A Distant Soil for Image Comics. And this is 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> what have you been eating lately? The spinach. Well, whatever it, is, whatever it is, keep eating it because you are on point with these woo-woo. Well, that, all right, that, that's good because I, I, I thought it, it was kind of on the side. You don't get paid to no, think, no. Mister. That's what I'm saying. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no, no, you solid. Like a rock. All right. Like a rock. Like the rock. A rock. 2024, baby. Flex, flex command. <laughs> There's rumors, man. Oh yeah, no, no, he hasn't, and he hasn't. I mean, I think he's still got a lot to do, so he's not ready for it yet. But I can see it happening. But he hasn't, he hasn't dismissed it. I mean, but part of the problem is we don't even know what party he's in. Yeah, like, that's true. I, I think he could swing into a party we don't want him to be. But that's, but the thing is, listen, I no, I might be all right I, that I, though because he'd be logical. Like I, I'd like maybe maybe right. it would be like again. It, well, it'll work, a lot of ifs here, but but yeah, like no. And, and and this was definitely for the pregame, but it's it. Uh, well, fuck it. Well, yeah. I'll wait till we're done. Pregame made a marathon, my friend. Yeah. All right. Oh goodness gracious! Here we are once again. It's Wednesday, new comic book day. It's also new and eleven o'clock comics day, and that's what this is. Eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred and ninety-two. I can see the finish line. It's clear. Keep <laughs> saying finish line. Yeah, the you end. You're going to give people the agita. This is the end. Uh, and I, and I, oh, my goodness. So intelligent. He's like a fucking That brains. wasn't me. That was that. Oh. <laughs> I take it back then. And and I'm Vince B. Yeah, he takes it back. He's not intelligent. He's not intelligent. Uh, I'm David A. Price. Indeed. And I am Jet Tila. Wow. Nice. You're not. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in second place to, to Brooke Williamson. Okay. Yeah. It hasn't been determined yet, but that's my prediction. Oh, okay. All right. Are we at the semifinals? Yeah. I don't understand okay. semaphore. So you're gonna have to translate. Is it some semaphore. kind of? I know. Is it some food kind network of tor- Food Network Tournament of Champions? All right. Okay. No, you're not. Tegan Jet Jet. Jaguar, you're Jason Wood, everybody, here together on an average episode. But that's a good thing, mm-hmm. because we are just going to shoot the proverbial poop about all kinds of comics, and we hope you love it. And remember, this whole brouhaha is brought to you by our wonderful patrons. Yes, sir. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. Take a look around. We have a lot of lot of stuff going on. Like I said, there's a whole lot of shaking. There's audio, hours and hours of, of extra audio per month. Video, images, daily images. DAP is serving up the daily page rate, which investigates a different artistic team every month, or teams every month. I do pulp a day. 
page day, which I've been including the covers too. I thought that was a neat little addition that you know what the cover of the book it is if you're looking for it, right? It's cool. Jason does mad videos about everything, especially around Christmas time because he's a freak like that. Uh, and the best part, we have a dedicated Slack channel where we gather each and every day to talk about topics various and sundry all day long. So if you would like to uh, take a little peek a about uh, what this Patreon thing is, go to that URL I just said, patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. And just, uh, we'd love to have you. So that's it. Yeah. Big facts. In honor of this average episode, I thought it would be cool if I procured some wine with a comic book slant something comic book themed and uh i'm drinking a red blend from california uh 2020 and the uh name of the wine is called valiant ah isn't that cool yeah that is very cool it's not bad be brave and determined or defiant uh it doesn't say that company i did that for tomio uh, Valiant Wine is worthy of its name. It's bold and stout-hearted, and they hyphenated it. So, cool. California Red Wine, ValiantWine.com. So, Valiant must be the brewing company, or the, the vinting company. The vintner. The vintner, yeah. I like it. Right. it. I think it's very tasty. And uh, best of all, it did not set me back too much. Mm-hmm. By the way, I was I was like this week old. When I realized that it's not restaurateur, it's restaurateur. There's no N. I don't see the difference. Can you say it again? Well, the, you know, you go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. but it's not a restaurant or it's a restaurateur. There's no N. Oh, there's no oh. N T. Yeah. Oh, that's... yeah. See, I, I, I was always saying it wrong. That's interesting. Yeah, but uh, uh, that was my uh, way of getting around the fact that I'm not drinking anything alcoholic. It's okay. Uh, I am drinking uh, some delicious lemon-lime Gatorade Zero. Right. I, I think it's safe to say the expectations for you lie in other areas. We don't give a yeah. shit. Yeah, no, that's thinking. facts. That's facts, yeah. Because yeah. we know, <laughs> at the end of the day, DAP is going to elevate us. It is a nice... Warm evening right now. It's in the mid 60s. Uh, so it was, uh, I got the windows open, which you might be able to hear later. But um, I decided to throw one of Vince's favorite big ass cubes in a rocks glass. And I am finishing a delicious whiskey sour courtesy of the Bartesian. I think you should apply for uh, promotion to that thing because you use it all the time. <laughs> Well, you say you use Pretty much. Yeah, I think you should see if you can hook onto that train. This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been sponsored by Bartesian. Uh, why not? Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Dare to dream. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we get into the, the comic discussion, I think we should fess up about what is the next book of the month. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Uh, right now, off the top of my head, I know one person this month in the month of April has uh, recommended this. My man has championed this book since day one. Even like one of the first things when we met him 
in Charlotte at Heroes many, many moons ago, um, he was pretty much Pippin this series. And it's something that I read when it was coming out way back when. But uh, I will go through the list later on before, well, the night we do the book of the month. Probably we're looking at um, the 27th, if Jason's in town. And uh, we will... Um, and so, so that night I'll go through the running list to see if anybody else has recommended this book. So we can definitely name names, but, uh, be prepared to hear us discuss Atari Force. Broke up a little bit. We'll just repeat. Yeah, yeah. Just repeat that. Wow. Uh, just, just so they know. Atari Force is yes. the April book of the month. Bless me, Kirby, for I have sinned. Here's my confession. Never uh, read it? Nobody's going to remember this uh, by the time the book of the month. Yes, sure. they will. Well, they won't. Um, I do not own a single Atari Force comic. I have mm-hmm. not read the Atari Force series. So I'm mm-hmm. going I'm going in blind, baby. I'm very familiar with the art. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a bunch, a bunch of pages from it. Um, but as far as reading it, what it's about, uh, I got nothing. And and I, I'm not we, surprised. We didn't establish this beforehand, but I assume we're talking about the volume two ongoing series, right? Not the the no. one from DC by Jerry Conway. And yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. The, uh, not the, the mini comic, that, right? Not the five yeah. mini comics that came in the video game. Okay. Right, right, right. The best comic scribe uh, of uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Jerry Conway. Mm, yep, tip of the tip, tip of the tippy right. top. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> he'll just tell you that too. He'll be he'll be very glad to tell you that. <laughs> he'll be happy to tell you that. Yep. All right, comics. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to uh, Atari Force to uh, cross that off my damn list once and for all. I'm hoping I love it. I'm sure I will. I think you'll dig it. I don't see why not. Space opera is near and dear to my heart. And I love the Omega Men. Why wouldn't I love? Yeah. Why wouldn't I love Atari Force? So there you go. You have something to look forward to. Atari Force book of the month by the around the end of the month. We'll do it. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Comics. Who would like to step up to the podium first? Well, I think uh, I think Dap and I have a a potential collabo here. Oh, really? We we we. Well, based on what I saw on your list and what you read over the weekend, uh, I pulled some books off the shelf in mm. case they came up. Yeah, but no, uh, I'm talking about something that we haven't talked about at all. Yeah, I, I see it. it. I see it. I'm talking about sh- this. I'm talking about chivalry. Okay, then. I didn't. Is, is it on your list? I haven't checked it the list. Is. It is. It, it is, is. In fact, okay. yes. Okay. Chivalry. Uh, chivalry is uh, well. This version is uh, what came probably came out. What uh, I got on my my a couple shipments ago, but um, so a few weeks ago, I guess it, it hit the shelves. But it is uh, part of the ongoing Dark Horse Neil Gaiman Library, which has uh, just been wonderful. They've done a great job with uh, with with putting out all of Gaiman stuff in in hardcover form. But uh, this is a relatively short uh, version. Like some of the some of his stuff, some of the stuff they put out are like you know almost like omnibus size. But this is um, a relatively short novella, graphic novella, written by Neil Gaiman with uh, beautiful 
painted art by Colleen Duran. And uh, I must be getting uh, sentimental in my old age because I find myself reading uh, the uh, the back matter quite often lately. Oh, I knew it. I knew yeah, it. I know. And and I really did enjoy Colleen's perspective on how much this this series meant to her. I mean, it was like it was a labor of love for decades. Uh, she was into it. So, um, but. Um, Unlike most of the Neil Gaiman library stuff, I was completely unfamiliar with this work. Uh, I ordered it purely on the premise that I've enjoyed everything else that uh, I've read of, of of Gaiman's, and I've been pretty much buying all of the Gaiman library collections. So I thought, well, okay, um, I'll, I'll, just, I'll grab this. And I don't know about you, Dap, but I was absolutely charmed with this book. I... I like I said, I had no idea what it was about, and it was just – maybe it's the mood I was in, but I just thought it was delightful. I really did. I, I, I thought it was so sweet and so clever, and um, and and I'm like – it, it, it kind of cements for me an appreciation for Colleen Duran that – you know, I know that we – what did we talk to her at? Uh, what con was that? Like a couple New York Con. Yeah, yeah. Um, lovely, lovely woman. You know, certainly I've seen a lot of her art, and 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 certainly she's quite talented, no doubt about that. But I haven't read a lot of like comics that she's done. I don't think. I, like I don't. I can't. At least my I can't recall many comics that have made an impact on me that she's done. You know, it's more like I'm I'm aware of her work on the periphery and like at cons and stuff, and I've seen her art at on calf. But I don't. I don't really feel like I I know her well as a storyteller. But uh, but but you know if this is representative and by her own by her own discussion at the end of the book it's it's you know one of her one of her you know favorite efforts ever she's an incredible talent and and I think perf- her watercolor painting style was perfect for this you know for this which is basically uh, in essence uh, it's I guess it's a fairy tale of sorts set in if that's fair to say um, the premise is an elderly British woman a widow. Um, she has a routine. She goes every week to uh, pick up her pension check. You know, this is Britain, so it's you know it'd be equivalent to like Social Security or whatever. Um, and she's uh, she's she's she makes her little her little saunter from her home to the to the place to get her check. And then on the way home, she always stops at um, like a consignment place, like a you know kind of like a thrift shop tchotchkes and clothes and the like and and she she says basically it's it's often filled with things from people who pass away you know like old, other older people and um and she just looks around and treats herself to things and sometimes she'll buy books sometimes she'll buy clothes and she's looking through in, in one of her trips and she comes across the holy grail and she recognizes it as the holy grail and it's like you're reading it and you're thinking wait is like does she mean the holy grail and like she doesn't react to it, it's just like a trinket. Like, oh, this is nice. This look good on my mantle. She buys it. It's like ten, you know, it's like fifty pence or whatever. She buys it with a couple other things and goes home and washes it and shines it and it gets all it's gleaming again. And she puts it up on her mantle because she thinks it looks nice. And you're like, that's so weird. Like, okay, like it's all right, whatever. And then and then a a, a knock on the door comes and it's a uh, it is a knight, you know. Um, uh, reminiscent of Sir Galahad. His name isn't quite that. It's I think it's probably the Arthurian or like the old English version of Galahad. But uh, this 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 really almost pretty more than handsome 
uh, long blonde haired uh, knight in full knight gear, and uh, he he's on the quest for the Grail, and he he it led her led him to her home, and so she's like, yeah, come on in, you know, like hang out, whatever, and he's very polite, and he wants the Grail, and she's like, nah, nah, I like it, I'm gonna keep it. So he just like okay, and he leaves, and he's got his like his you know his horse on the on her lawn or whatever, and he he leaves, and and she goes about her business, and she has another week where she has like she you know makes it makes a cake and visits her her niece and nephews, and like she's got a little get together with one of her friends who, uh, who they you know one week she goes there, the next week you know it's just kind of like this very mundane, pleasant life that she's just in this kind of this this rut not rut but like rhythm this rhythm, and uh, then he shows back up, and this time he's got. He's got incredible, like, historic treasures for her that he's trying to barter with her with. He's got this, you know, he's got this sword of legend. And, and then and then she's not really interested in that. You know, she's like, oh, my husband would have loved that. Would have been the girl on the mantle. But it doesn't really do much for me. So he's like, all right. And he comes back again. And this time he's got more. That, he's got three things for her. And he offers her, uh, you know, a, a basically an, 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 an orb that uh, lets her. Each of these is kind of like because they're 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 things of fable. They they have power. It gives her the a phoenix egg, and and then ultimately the f- the final thing is he offers her a an apple full of life, and he explains that if she if she bites, if she takes one bite of the apple, it cures any disease. If she takes two bites, she's made young and beautiful again, and if she if she takes three, she's immortal. And, uh, you know, she, there, Colleen does this great, throughout this whole thing, she, Colleen just does this masterful tapestry of whatever the knight is talking about. She paints these broad two-page spreads of things, right? So, like, during the phoenix egg, she's painting this, you know, phoenix rising from the ashes. And and and, uh, and then when, when they talk about the egg, the woman, she thinks back to her life and how when she was beautiful and had a had a, a firm body and everybody, and men would just look at her because she was who she was and... And you kind of think like, okay, she's gonna she's gonna take him up on it, and she's like, you know what? You take this apple back. I don't I don't want that. Like that's not fair of you. It's not chivalrous to to offer a woman of my age this kind of temptation. But I will take you up on the other two things because they're gonna look great on my mantle. Again, not because they're like super powered magical items, but because of, so. And she's like, and two for one is more than a fair swap. So she. She takes the egg and she takes the orb and she puts them on her mantle and she's like, they look beautiful up there. And like they're right next to like a, a like a ceramic dachshund or a ceramic collie or some kind of small dog. And uh, and she's happy as can be. And he takes the fucking grail and they have a little quiet tea time and kind of in silence and say their goodbyes. And uh, and that's kind of that's like the story, basically. And it's like this wonderful like Gaiman and 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 Duran, they give us this wonderful look into this very basic repetitive familiar comfortable life of an elderly person that's often where she takes greatest joys in the little pleasures of a week you know the little things she gets to do uh whether it be getting tea with a friend or making her walk each week to the store and buying a new book or something and like such great pain to make those moments feel special and then it's surrounded by our third this arthurian legend about the grail and uh, and, and these wonderfully beautiful watercolor tapestry paintings that Colleen does to depict everything, and I was just totally smitten by the whole thing. I, I 
like I said, it was nothing like I expected. Not that I really had any expectation, but I, it, it just was. I, I just don't think I've read anything like this in a long time. That was just this marriage of a, uh, of essential, like, like a, with what Gaiman has been doing with mythology and and some of his other stuff. Like, he, it's not unusual for Gaiman to take. Uh, 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 you know, in fact, I would argue that's probably one of the cornerstones of his career, right? Is taking mythology of whether it be whether it be pantheonic god stuff or whether it be fairy tales or fables and turning it and telling stories about those things. Like that is one of his 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 skills. But I don't recall too many times where he's taken concepts based on those other types of storytelling and then wrapped his own little narrative around it. Uh, I mean, outside of uh, I mean. Seems silly to say outside of Sandman, but you know Sandman is its own thing. Um, I just thought it was terrific. I really did, and I and, and I don't, I don't, you know, this is not like on on paper. I don't think it'd be something that seems all that engaging, you know, a story about an old woman um, living her life. But it was really, really captivating, and uh, and I credit them for that because I just I wouldn't have thought based on the premise that I would have been that taken by this. Um, so I was just like totally mesmerized by it. How about you? Uh, hopefully I don't break up or anything, but, um, reading the back matter, I was happily surprised that somebody, especially Colleen feels as strongly about this story as I do. Uh, I've told this story before I've, I've written about it, but I've, I've, I've mentioned it in the past, but, uh, the early nineties, my aunt Gail took me to the city to a Neil Gaiman reading. And I'm pretty sure everybody, and, and, and this was in the city. This was either next door or around the neighborhood of CBG, where CBGB used to be. And I'm not sure what convention was going on that weekend, but um, we're sitting there at Neil's up on a little phrase platform. And I'm pretty sure everybody was there expecting to hear something maybe it was supposed to be a q a about sandman or he was going to do some readings but which would have absolutely been lost i would have enjoyed the moment but it would have been lost on me because i was reading sandman so um all of a sudden neil sits down and he reads this story and the first line is about mrs whitaker finds the holy grail it was underneath and 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 i'm just i'm captivated so this is the first time i'm hearing this story and Shortly after that, there's this little hardcover book called Angels and Visitations, which is a collection of Neil Gaiman short stories. And early on in this book, which I've had with me since it came out and has moved with me everywhere, uh, it's it's right next to me on the desk tonight because I, I did want to compare it to the Dark Horse book. But um, early on in this book, is that same exact story that Neil read. And and it's just it's it's been a story that has stuck with me since that evening. And once when when Dark Horse came out with the Neil Gaiman library and they were adapting various stories, whether it's had to talk to girls at parties or still glass apples, anything that he's been doing, um it, in the back of my head, I'm just like I wonder if we're going to get chivalry. And this was probably the first thing on my order form that month when it was finally solicited. And uh, there were three books 
in my last box from DCBS. Chivalry, Secret Passages, and Azimuth. They were the first three things that I pulled out that I was absolutely going to read, and I've, I've, I've read two out of the three so far. Um, this was an absolute delight. I, I think what Colleen writes about in the back as far as the work she put into it, how she would have gone broke if she did what she wanted to do originally to tell this story. Uh, the story was abs- also tied up in, in um, there was a rights issue because I guess somebody was going to make it into a short film or, or, but it's finally available and, and, and she was giddy and she had to be able, she had to be the one to tell the story. So, um, so of course she didn't work that out, but, uh, yeah, it was it, it absolutely everything that it, when I heard the story many years ago, and then I, I I reread it from time to time, she pretty much absolutely um, brought to life on page um, what I had envisioned in, in in my head as as I was hearing and then later reading reading the story myself. Um, it's it's probably I mean just on the I know that the other books that uh, that we've had whether it's from Moon and Ba or Albuquerque or 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 even Colleen's other story with Neil this is for for personal reasons alone this is this is my favorite one and I could st- if, if no matter what else they come out with from the Game and Library I'm I, I can stop with this one I'm I'm mm-hmm. I've been been waiting for it i am extremely giddy it exists i think the 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 watercolor is absolutely amazing she she went all the way to the limit to to tell this story and 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 it shows i mean it is absolutely and and in the back matter she talks about how um so marie the the shopkeeper when uh when 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 the holy grail was purchased um that's actually Colleen, age 17, and it's her mother and father um, in the book that uh, Mrs. Mrs. Whitaker is her mom and, and Mr. Whitaker on the mantle in, in the old photos. That's her dad. Um, but uh, Sir Galahad is not, is, isn't anybody from real life, but it is a character from a distant soil. So if, if you read that book from Colleen, then, then, then he's definitely going to look familiar. But um, no, this was absolutely everything I wanted. There, there's, um, it's, it is just, it is one of the most perfect um, stories based on another medium. I, I think uh, it, it, it's hands down to one of my favorite things, but. It, it's just it it hit everything for me i i there isn't really it could have i i don't i i don't know what could have been done to make me not like this it was going to be loved by me regardless but uh yeah i'm just i'm just super super stoked that it exists i'm glad i finally have it and um i absolutely love it if if you're familiar with any of the game works from from that dark horse is putting out it's it's gonna be kind of more the same it just drawing out the stories that he's written elsewhere um but uh but this one is just i it, it's it is it is absolutely it's it i i can honestly say use the word beautiful when describing 
the art on on the pages in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely, I I love it. it. It's it's what I it's what I wanted. It's what I expected, and I I really can't um, can't say anything in the negative about it at all. Uh, and hearing you talk about it now, I'm really glad I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. I really, really am too. Because <laughs> I had forgotten how important this sto- underlying story was to you, and I also will say that it's a real testament to the work that you have. Uh, you know, bookends here. You have someone who the 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 prose that it's based on has such deep meaning to you for twenty plus years, twenty five plus years, and and it delivered. You know, arguably against massively high expectations because you were not only were you familiar with the story, but it, it meant so much to you. Um, so I'm sure you you had your at least some kind of subconscious expectation for what it would would be like. And and then you have on the other side me who didn't know anything about the story whatsoever, other than it was a short story that Gaiman had written a long time ago. Um, going into this, and and yet it was incredible for for both of us, which I think is a testament, like that 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 it could appeal to people deeply familiar with the source material and those who had no no t- no that it wasn't a touchstone for us at all. Like that is incredible. I think that's incredible, you know. And I will say too that 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 one of the things that struck me about it, even like I said, I wasn't familiar with it until I read it, is that I have found that uh, as we get older, we get we try and be a little introspective, and and certainly for big chunks of my life, I have had a tendency at times to not appreciate the small moments, you know, just to because I'm racing towards some goal or 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 you know some longer term plan or aspiration. And, uh, and, you know, I think age helps with that. I think as you get older, hopefully you learn how to, uh, to quote unquote, stop and smell the roses a bit. And, and certainly for me, being a parent really helped with that. Uh, that was probably the biggest thing is becoming a parent, but, but either way, I mean, it's, it's still something I know that I'm, I, I, there are, it it still comes and goes. There's still times where I'm like, all right, man, you've been really head down for a couple of months here. You, you gotta take a, you gotta take a minute and relax and just appreciate what's going on. And, and, that's so much at the heart of the story, right? That she, I mean, this woman is so content in her life that it, it may seem to, to us reading it or to people around her that it, she's just this boring old lady that just has this, you know, weekly routine. And it's like, ugh. but for her, it's perfect. Like she's lived her life. Like it's part of the journey. She doesn't want to go back to another part of her life. She had that part and it was great too, but like she loves where she is and, She's perfectly happy with the with the cycle of her life, and uh, and and I, I that really that, that hit me, and I'm sure it hits many people, especially you know if you're kind of in a go 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 mode a lot of the time. So I, I just yeah, I just thought it was really well done. I mean, um, yeah, Gaiman's incredible. He really is. <laughs> yeah. Nice job, gentlemen. You just uh, secured the featured image for this episode. Oh, look at us. Yeah, you earned it. I, I can't front. That that was good. I usually, yeah. You, 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 you know what it. I think you should do, Dap? For your 50th, for the New York Comic Con, right around your 50th, you should tell Renee that we're going to see Halloween Duran at the table and you're going to buy a page from this. Oh, you think it's available? I'm sure. I mean, her. her I don't uh, know if she'd want to part with it. I mean, considering what this means to her. Oh, that's I mean, true. Was, I mean, she she had originally written. Um, You'd show her the copies. She had planned. Uh, she was she was going to. Uh, I, she was going to use gold leaf, and and she was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Um, she was going to use parchment. Uh, 
but of course, you know, the gold would print this brown, the translucent quality of the parchment would be lost entirely. I mean, she was, and, and, and the techniques and the tools she was going to use, she would have ended up losing money. And, and, but what she did say was that, um, there, and she's talking about all the, the other artists that, uh, that she used their work as uh, she approached it with, with their eyes. But, um, there is, uh, let's see, there's a, there was one, yeah, okay, so some of Sangorski's works are in print, but they're a bit pricey. My first action when I got my first check for the work on chivalry was to go out and buy some, and this is why artists are always broke. But I mean, she, I'd be very, very surprised if if she was willing to part with any pages from this. I would love it, and, and, yeah. if, and if they're available, that, I, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely be interested because i know that i mean she had the snow glass and apples pages when we saw her last time yeah but that but you're right that special. didn't mean it probably didn't mean anything to her like this does yeah so okay fair enough yeah well you can't well, wait it's worth but listen worth the, listen spendthrift you got to plant the seeds either way both for yourself Absolutely. and your wife oh, i'm gonna yeah i mean plant i the hey, seeds i bought i bought the this was sold last time i got i got the print and everything come on so, so right. yeah you got the print Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was nice. I guess I'm going to have to scoop this up because I didn't order it. Yeah, I, I, not, not to. Yeah, tread lightly. Go, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, but are you shit. not a huge? I get the feeling you're not a huge Gaiman fan. Not a massive. I'm more of yeah. a Colleen Doran fan than I am a, a Neil. Gaiman right, fan. right. Yeah. I will say, Dap, you'll be. I actually use this book today to. Uh, try and educate Holden on on watercolors. Oh, that's awesome! Because he draws. I don't. I mean, I, I you admit, it, but he draws a lot. He loves to draw, and uh, you know, he always he loves when I get new art in for you know, for, and we look at it. But obviously, most of it looks a certain way. It's black, you know, black ink, uh, black and white pages and ink. And so I I pulled him when he came over to school. I said, Hey, I'm reading this book. Take a look at this. And he was blown away. And I was like, Yeah, she paints. It's painting, you know. And I showed him like the outline. You know, she does the heavy outlines a lot, especially with like with a lot of her characters and then she paints inside of it. And I said, and he was like, that's, you know, I told him how like these pages would be, you know, actually in color if you bought them and everything. And he just, yeah, he was pretty, pretty intrigued. So nice. I'll Cliff's checking this out. Yeah. I always think that with Colleen Duran, I mean, Cliff's got to be a huge fan of hers, right? Yeah. I mean, in this case, I think that, I think the watercolors would, would um, overpower any, whoever the artist might be. But I mm-hmm. think I think he would appreciate her style. We we never really talked about Colleen with him. That'd be interesting. It's true. Well, well, we haven't talked about Colleen in general because uh, I, again, I don't like a lot of her work. Yeah. We haven't really mm-hmm. touched on. Well, she's also going to be the one that introduces this episode, so we're covering all the bases. Nice, <laughs> love it. Producer Man, extreme. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I have something, but at this point, it's like friggin' the Stones following James Brown. Like, what the fuck <laughs> am I going to do? <laughs> at this. <laughs> All right, so uh, this just came out from Seven Seas. You know how much I love Seven Seas, right? Yes. It's the first volume uh, written and drawn by Yoichi Abe. It's called Sheep. Yeah, you don't even know who he is. It's called Sheeply Horned Witch Romy. Wait, so Sheeply, like sheep with L-Y at the end? Yes. Horned. Yep. Which, as in magic, and what's the last word? Romy, R O M I. Don't know that one. What's that mean? That, that's a person's name. 
Oh, okay, okay. But uh, I have to, again, I said tread lightly before, so I'm going to repeat that. I have to tread a little lightly in talking about this because there's a bit of a sixth sense, not as extreme and, and, and status quo changing as the revelation that was made in the movie The Sixth Sense, where it frames everything that came before. But there's something in this book that it, towards the, 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 the latter uh, chapters that transform everything you've read before. So I have to be really careful. I don't want to spoil it. Um, the, the book ends in a way that made me think that it was the uh, first and only volume. I mean, the end, there's, there's a fittingness, uh, uh, a, uh, a, the conclusion is, as stated in the last page, had there been no more, had there been no more, it would have been perfectly acceptable. And it, but I, I would have been wondering what happened next, but it would have been okay because some questions don't need to be answered, right? But there is a second volume of this. So I guess if I had any fears, they were allayed in my research. But sheeply horned witch Romy. So what, what's going on here? It's a strange, strange story. And the opening chapters, probably way past the midpoint, it's very cute. And it's basically two characters uh, alone finding each other in a sense um, they their one is 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 deeply attracted to the other one but doesn't let on and the other one is marginally attracted to the uh, the, the other one but becomes more so as the story progresses I'll, I'll just set it up for you um, it, it's a fantasy it's it's very very strange like I said uh like Dr. Stone, there's a status quo changing event in the world. In Dr. Stone, everybody was, most of the population were transformed uh, into, into stone. In this book, the majority, the vast majority of the population are asleep. Why? Why are they asleep? Well, because the uh, female half of the duo... Uh, main characters. Her name is Sawada. She magicked everybody to sleep. Why? Uh, because she wants her senpai, she wants to be alone with him. She wants to mess with him and, and tweak him and get under his skin. And it's kind of like the boy who pulls the girl's hair, not because he wants to be malicious or, or hateful, but because he wants her attention. And, and that's kind of what happens here. She's a witch. She's actually um, his kuhai. Uh, kuhai is a freshman, where senpai is an upper uh, or a senior in, in, in high school. And um, she wakes up senpai, and he doesn't really remember. He wakes up in the school. That's very important. Um, and he doesn't remember anything that happened before that. Like, he remembers the details. He has a family. You know, he remembers who he is. But But as to what he did leading up to... Uh, that school day, he doesn't, he doesn't remember. So um, she wakes him up and she starts messing with him. And she's, she's messing with his cheeks and she's pulling on his cheeks. And he's like, he's real embarrassed. And she's like, oh, they're so 
you know, uh, spongy and I can touch them whenever I want. But meanwhile, everybody in the school is asleep. And he's like, what's going on here? And she's like, yeah, you know, everybody's asleep. And um, as the story goes on, it turns out that the area, the, the school itself is like a safe zone. Everything else uh, and I can only imagine how far it extends across the planet. Everything beyond the school is engulfed by this black miasma. And within the black miasma, there are monsters. Many, many, many monsters. Um, and she is keeping the black miasma at bay with... What's the flip side of black? White. She's keeping it at bay with white miasma. And um, how does she do this? Well... There are sheep everywhere in this story. Little sheep just running around like the school is over. It's infested with sheep and the, the countryside, sheep everywhere. And so why sheep? Uh, who, I mean, who, and, and the, the, uh, the, there's a lot of um, exaggeration uh, when uh, Abe draws these sheep because they're just ba basically balls of, of cotton and their face is completely black with, with two little marks. In it. It's it, you know, very unique and very uh, uh, arresting way to draw sheep, but it works, right? It's, it's stark because this is a black and white work, right? So um, it turns out her digestive functions are linked to the sheep. So when she eats um, rice, anything, anything substantial, as she digests, the breakdown of the food transfers from her body to the sheep and they expend this white miasma and that pushes the black away so the school is the safe zone right and here's where it gets a little sticky um uh, they senpai is very curious he's a very curious boy and um there there are bits of little playful sexuality that leads up to uh this scene but um like uh, she doesn't want to wear the same underwear every day and what with her having only one pair of underwear, she goes around to all the, her classmates and she takes their underwear and washes them. And so now she has a steady stream of, of underwear that she can wear. So he's, Senpai's walking down the, the hall of the school and he's like, whoa, wait a minute. That girl does like, there's a, there's a girl just sl slumped over and he could see that she, you know, her butt, she doesn't have any underwear on. And so she answers the question as to why and tells him about the underwear. Um, and then there are, there's a little playful sexuality, this attraction between the two of them. And I remember these are kids, right? They're, they're high school kids. So it's not explicit at all. They're, but, um, uh, she, uh, Abe draws, um, Sawada, very, very cute. Um, the, the artwork is, is in the, I, I, in our previous video, before I even had this in my hand, I compared the artwork to it, it's it's a melding of like the the Kevin Eastman approach, where it's slightly grotesque and 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 distorted depictions of of, of um, anthropomorphic entities. And um, you guys familiar with Kashmir Stripek? He's a, he's an amazing artist. Um, yeah. I see I see a lot of Kashmir's uh, approach to, to uh, not only uh, illustrating, but storytelling too. Uh, but in the textures and the shadows, it just screams Kevin Eastman to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
Senpai is very curious. He's like, I want to see these monsters. Show me these monsters. So she, you know, she goes out and, and she uh, shows them the, the monsters. And they're, they're all of various sizes and proportions. And they remind him of, of fantasy creatures. Uh, one looks like a dragon. One looks like a, a hydra. One looks like a or, or a medusa. One looks like a golem, right? And 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 um, there's there's kelpies in it. And he and he's like, wow, these are all RPG creatures. And he goes, that's kind of odd because I like to to see the world as an RPG. It's just easier for me to to translate and 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 um, deal with the world when I think of it in RPG terms and. Um, is why I got to be careful. Uh, Senpai is—he's he, an artist. He wants to be a mangaka, and uh, he spent—he's um, obsessed, and he's driven, and he has a story to tell, and it's a fantasy-based story. And um, he's uh, the president of the school's one-man manga club <laughs> uh, you know attendance is very easy to take in this club because it's only him uh, and 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 his meetings such as they are appear in a secluded part of the school and uh, so he would go there after school and 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 work on his his manga uh, and then uh, Sawada started showing up and uh, this is the backstory leading up to when everybody fell asleep uh, or was magicked into sleep. And she, um, she's not a people person. She, she's, she's divested herself from everyday life to the point where she likes to sleep most of her life away, constantly sleeping. When she's not sleeping, she's, she's skipping class. Her attendance is horrible. But she makes a point to go to the room where uh, Senpai's manga uh, club is held, and she sleeps with him. He works, she sleeps. And at first he, he saw it as an intrusion, like, that's this annoying girl. Uh, but after a while, he came to welcome the sound of her sleeping, and he used it as a bit of a... Uh, a creative impetus to to propel him to get the work done. Uh, it, it was soothing and, and calming, and, and it it zeroed out the stresses of the day and, and allowed him to focus on the artwork. And then she just stopped going to class entirely, but made it a point to go to this this room to to sleep while he works. Uh, on a manga that features fantasy creatures. So, like I said, the, the creatures are all very different and, and, and you know, they're diverse, but they have one common thread. They, they all feature a spiral somewhere in their design. Uzumaki, right? They have this this one of you know whether it's mostly in the facial or what would be the facial area is, is usually a spiral. And wouldn't you know it that Sawada has horns. After she magicked everybody to sleep, she somehow grew, grew horns. And they are a spiral pattern as well. So where's this going? I, I don't know if I should tell you because there's a, um, again, there's a switch that's flipped. 
towards the end of this book. And it's pretty shattering. And it's um, borderline devastating. And it casts everything you've read before in a totally different light. Uh, I thought this book was absolutely wonderful. Um, not only is it the, the, the two characters of Sawada and, and uh, Senpai are so beautifully realized. You know them. Like he sees a little bit of skin on her and he goes apeshit because he's a virgin. He's never touched a, a girl before. And he's obviously attracted to her, but she he's the only person with which she had any kind of, mean of meaningful interaction in her life. She has a connection to him that like supersedes maybe even her parents. It's not explicitly stated in the book, but she seems to find something in him that she wants to keep around. And that wasn't so with him at first, but as the story progresses, that does become the case. Like he 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 welcomes her being around, even though she kind of like manipulates him and 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 you know just has fun with him at his expense um it's a very touching relationship between these two characters that just kind of like gets totally blown up <laughs> at the end of the book um it hmm. gets it shit gets dark it gets very dark and um i'll give you a little clue the 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 darkness is not held at bay forever and what happens after is is like a a house of cards crumbling, and uh, you're just gonna have to read it to see what I'm talking about because uh, I think it's it's great, it's wonderful. Um, it's a very simple story. It's basically a, a, a two actor uh, play with a bunch of really cool creatures running around uh, around them. Uh, that that's uh, it's just the icing on the cake. The creatures are there. The creatures are what ex- initially attracted me to this book. But they're just uh, a footnote in this thing. Like I, I, I love them. I love the designs. But the real story is is Salada and uh, Senpai. It's it's great. Um, I don't know how how other any other ways I can say it. It's it's just a wonderful story that will probably have you feel in some kind of way by the time this thing is over. Yeah, but rest assured, there's more. So it may get fixed. Who knows? I, I shouldn't have said that. It 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 may proceed down a totally different road. If, if the second volume is anything like the first, the rug will probably be pulled out from under you somewhere along the journey. So um, if you're adventurous and you want to see some great drawing with a really, uh, I think it's a very heartfelt story. Um, and and you can you can try and piece it apart and. Uh, uh, try to attribute uh, her behavior to things that are going on in the real world now with the, you know, the various emotional maladies that are popping up among our young people. So, uh, yeah, check it out. It's it's just great. It's uh, Sheeply Horned Witch Romy by uh, Yoichi Abe from Seven Seas. The first volume is twelve ninety nine, and it's it's well worth the price. Dare I ask how many volumes there are of it? I don't think many, because when I was doing my research, I only saw two. But I don't know if it's currently uh, being published in Japan, or if this is just some legacy scoop that they went back and saw, hey, you know, this is cool, let's publish this. I don't know. I didn't go that deep. I I was just content with the fact that there's another volume, 
So I, I was like, all right, I don't want to know anything else. Because when you know the length of something, if, if you know something is 22 volumes and you're on volume three, you're like, you can kind of guess that anything of, of significant, any changes that are significant are probably not going to stick. Right? I, I mean, if you know the length of a work, you can kind of dismiss some of the, 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 uh, the big beats as being yeah, that's true. Yeah, right. So I, I didn't want to go too deep. I just, I, I was just content, uh, sated by the fact that there's another volume of this. Yeah, it's just great, and it's not going to take a whole lot of room on your shelf. If you know, if you're, if you have a very limited amount of shelf space, this is not going to be a concern. It's a, it's a regular size manga kaha. It's not too thick. It's about two hundred pages. Just get it. It's great. Printed on newsprint paper. It's just freaking phenomenal. I, I loved every bit of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that what was supposed to be the featured image? Well, I, well yeah, it was. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying I'm. I'm not saying I'm selfish, but I like to. I like to do the featured image before the sure. the episode, and then just just yeah. I leave slugs for, for listen for 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 those who don't know behind the scenes. Vince does everything possible short of us talking to get the episode ready, which is why it's ready at like a half thirty, a half hour afterwards. Yeah. So I, mean, you know, so yeah, it is. Well, I like to try to abs- cover the bases. That that's why when we have a, uh, if you're not familiar with the show, if this is your first episode, shame. But um, we have eleven o'clock comics dot com, our website, and for each episode, there's a gallery, and. So as to not imagine the artwork we're talking about, you can go there and actually see it. And I like to populate that gallery with as much as I can beforehand, but I don't know what the guys are going to talk about. So as they're mm. talking as they're talking about it, I'll be dropping images. So you guys think I'm quiet, but I'm not. I'm actually doing work behind the scenes, dropping these images in, formatting them, getting them all, you know, ready for prime time. Yeah. So the featured image for this was going to be the dragon from uh, uh, Sheeply Horned Witch Romy, but it's not now. It's Mm. chivalry. I I can't top that shit. Mm. (laughs) If it's on the cover, better be the best part of the damn episode. Yep. Word it. Uh, There you go. I, um... Yeah, we already... We already talked about chivalry. I only there was really only one other book I read um, for this week uh, that I finished this morning, and then I started as of this afternoon, so I didn't get very far in that. Um, so I kind of want to wait on my second book. I don't want to jump onto it just yet since we're still early. All right. Um, well, I have a quick two two quickish hits. Um, one is just. <laughs> Because it's just so silly, and I love every bit of it. But it's it's also very very much a, a niche thing. Uh, I just love, just like with the first issue, the second issue of GI Joe, Real American Hero Saturday Morning Cartoon, long ass title. Number two was <laughs> delightful. It, it, like I said, the first issue, this comic was made for me. It is drawn to look like the cartoon cell animation from the eighties cartoon. The dialogue is the same kind of campy, corny dialogue, like like it's like you're just watching an episode. And like I said, the premise is ridiculous in that uh, Cobra Commander finds a legit genie who gives him three wishes. 
the end of the first issue, recall, I said that he wished for his bats to become the size of Kaiju, and that's how the cliffhanger was. So this issue is more of that. The Joes are fighting an insurmountable battle as each of these bats is in different parts of the world. Uh, you know, they're trying to defeat them, having difficulty. And Cobra Commander's second wish is that he wants the, the most deadly weapons possible, but that they're they also, for his most loyal soldiers, but that they can't harm me. And the genie's like, all right, cool. So these all of a sudden, like, Major Blood, the Dreadnoughts, everybody got all these badass weapons, and they're, like, taking it to jo- to the Joes. But, like, when they go to when they go to kill the Joes, it doesn't work. Like, they go, they blow up Shipwreck. Like, they actually, like, Shipwreck's, like, firing a cannon, and they, they blow up the cannon. They're like, yeah, we've killed a Joe. Which, as you know, in the cartoons, no one ever died. And you're like, wow. So I'm thinking, oh, man, is that where this is going to be different than the cartoon? They're actually going to kill, kill Joes? And then all of a sudden, Shipwreck walks out of the explosion, and I'm like, oh, hilarious. It's just like the cartoons. And they, they and Cobra's like, what the fuck? Like, how, how's he not dead? And all of a sudden, it's because the genie, as genies are wont to do, Cobra Commander said, these weapons can't hurt me. And the genie's like, anybody that's ever called themselves me is immune to the weapons. <laughs> and so, of course, like, it. Cobra Commander's, like, pissed <laughs> off. And, like, Destro and the Baron are in the corner being like, I really starting to like this genie. And then she's like, oh, so devious. It's, like, great. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking great. So it's just, you know, of course, and then the Joes find a way to start taking out the big bats. And, like, you know, it's like, what's Commander's third wish going to be? So just delightful and silly and stupid. And if you don't have absolute ridiculously overcharged nostalgia for the 80s cartoon, this comic will do nothing for you. And if you do have a love for that cartoon in in a way where you're born in a certain three to five year window and happen to be part of that little world, then you will love this comic. So very, very cool stuff. And then the uh, the other quick hit. Wait, wait, wait. It, don't, don't move on yet. Don't move on yet. Isn't it awesome when something as slight, uh, supposedly as slight as G.I. Joe, you know, Saturday morning adventures just lights up your damn week? Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. And it doesn't have to be deep or, or complex or you know multi layered. It could just be a bunch of men running around, men and women running around, you know, fighting evil. Awesome, I'm oh, down yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. And the thing too about it is, is as I was reading it, I'm thinking this is perfect. Like once a month, this this is the thing that where it's great that it's an issue form because it's 22 pages once a month. It just tickles that nostalgia just right. It's fun. It's not. It's but I don't. I don't know that I would want to sit down and read. You know, a four hundred page hardcover collection of this all at once. You know what right. I'm saying? Like yeah. it just. And and I think I mentioned after the first issue, they even do at the end of each of the issues. They do. Uh, they they do learning is, is half the battle. Uh, like a little infomercial about a life lesson. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. yeah I, like you know, not a huge Joe Mark, but I would consider getting this. Not not only because I, you know, on some level, I'd probably enjoy it, but the fact that you love it would make me just want to read it anyway. For sure, for sure. I'd You'd have to explain that. some stuff to me, like, like, yeah, well, like, why I mean, is this dude exactly. with the parrot on his on his shoulder? Shit ain't like, deep, you know what I mean? You know, I, yeah, but th- there is a legacy. For GI Joe, yeah, and I don't know. Right. So is it? I mean, do, is it is it written so that if if this is your first issue of a GI Joe comic, do, do you break? Is there is there a caption or a write up? Is anything nah. explained? Nah. Okay. All right. So yeah, nah, it's really have... just like it's like it's a it's a multi part. It's for the fans. Episode. Yeah. It's absolutely fan, pure fan service. Yeah. 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 It's like um, many faces walking into the panel. You'd be like, who the frick is this? Where right, I could right. explain that oh. to you. 
you'd have to explain Joe to me. Totally. And I'm sure you'd read it and think, well, why are they, why are they speaking this way? So over the top, like it's ridiculous. Like how are these guys aren't like for evil guys, they seem pretty stupid. You know what I mean? Like it would, right. you, you, yeah, you have to get all, you have to, you have to be steeped in the, in the, in the, in the corniness and appreciate it for what it was. Sure. Um, but the, the other quick hit is uh, a quick hit because it's in a, it's something that Dap already did a great job recapping in greater detail and uh, and I have to say, it's one of those things where I, you know, I, I know you guys, we, we've all talked about this, but like, I read the first issue of this and was pretty bored. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to, it's not a rush. And then Dap like loved the whole thing. And it was drawn by one of my boys. And I'm like, eh, you know, I'm on the bike. I'm on the bike this week. And I'm like, you know, if I don't read baffling, this now. Baffling how you can read on that bike. I'm like, yeah. if I don't read this now, you guys, I'm sure you're the same. Like, if I don't read this now, I'm probably not going to read it. For real. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yep. It, no it, doubt. I'm like, okay. You know, so let me let me jump in. And I maybe just the right mindset. This was fucking fantastic. Wow. <laughs> what is it? King of Pink Spies. Nuts, dude. Written by Mark Miller, of course, drawn by my boy Teo Scalera. Dap already gave, you know, I don't remember what episode it was, but Dap went in on it. It is fucking phenomenal. And, like, the first issue kind of sets it up, but I didn't realize how bananas it gets. And, I mean, I know you talked about it. That's why I was like, oh, I'll give this a read because Dap, it does seem like it gets interesting. But, like, it's just ridiculous. And, like, I would love for this to be a movie. I know it's probably never yes. To see an old... Well, it is, it is. Netflix's name is all over it, so I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to be a miniseries. I just forgot Miller's got that deal with them. Yeah, so maybe it will, but, like, old James Bond deciding to kill every ne'er-do-well ever because he's got six months to live is so badass, and, like, they just go, dude. Like, he fucking, he fucking shoots a president in the head on Air Force One, dude. Like, like he... He kills the Pope, dude. Like, it's crazy. Like, he kills everybody. It's just wonderful. And and I have to say, like, the end is – I thought the end was predictable. Right. But, like, I feel like, as I've said with Miller before, I know some people don't love Miller that much. I, lo- I really do enjoy Miller when he does his own stuff because it's rarely deep. Like, Miller's not Gaiman. Miller is not Alan Moore. He's not Morrison. Miller is – pure id it's i'm gonna entertain you with wild and crazy shit on the surface very easy to understand and you probably can figure out where it's going but i'm still gonna entertain you during it's about the journey and that's same thing here like i think i think you get a sense for how it's gonna end before like you know you like halfway through the i'm like oh i know how it's gonna end and it does end that way but it was super satisfying because the journey he goes on to get to the end is like ridiculous absolutely the twins the twins no no (laughs) arms no legs (laughs) It's so crazy. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, oh. No, nah, it was great, man. Like, like I, I'm, I'm glad. I probably wouldn't have ever bothered, or at least not for a long time, gone back to check the rest out had you not finished it up and said how fun it was. And I, oh, so I hit my cap for that. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I gotta say, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's rare that I it's it's rare that Miller does one of these little minis that I don't find entertaining, at least on some level. That's an awesome cross-pollination uh, we have here. Because I can attest to the fact that I would have, wouldn't have read a lot of stuff if it wasn't for you guys. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah, oh, it's, yeah. It's a, uh, such as, I, I don't think um, Jason would ever read this. Maybe, but I know Dap's going to read this. Uh, it's a very, very simple story. 
it, it it has a message, and the message is is you know plain. It's 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 not difficult to understand. Um, flat out, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Annual 2022. I picked it up tonight. I I went to the shop tonight and and grabbed some stuff, and that was in the pile. So I can't wait to read it. All right. Well, I won't. I mean, there's no spoiling. No, no, no. Do what you got to do. There's no spoiling it. The, the story is is it's. On the surface, the story is very slight, but there's a deeper meaning to this thing that is very much uh, very important and very in line with the human race moving forward, right? Jason, do you know who wrote and illustrated this this little tale? I do not. Juni Ba. Get out of here with yourself. I'm yes. so totally what? serious. Juni Ba, written and drawn, uh, colors. Oh, he draws it too? Yeah. Oh, I got to get it now. With colors by uh, Rhonda Patterson. Oh, shit. Dap and I know recent Turtles history, but I will explain to Jason minute details. Uh, Master Splinter is no more. I knew that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the, the Turtles are all, understandably, out of sorts. They're, they're not on their game at all. They are messing up. Um, nightly patrols, they're bumping into each other, they're they're just screwing up left and right. And and they run into this this creature called a, a leech spirit, which is essentially an emotion vampire. It preys on on uh mostly negative feelings. Uh I don't have to explain them. You know what I'm talking about. And uh through the whole issue Leo is pretty much the focus, and and he's uh, under as Leo is wont to do, he's shouldering all the responsibility for his brothers. Um, man, it's this is bad. I don't know how we're going to go on. We're all off our game. We're all screwing up. Like this is just. Long story short, they get the, their heads handed to them by this lead spirit, and. Uh, Leo just uh, he, he's at a loss like like what do we do um, so you know in a nutshell what's this story about it's the turtles they eventually overcome you know the leech spirit it writes itself but the the message here is yeah Splinter's gone our old way of life is no more Mutant Town is, is is there. It's a t- totally different status quo. Different does not mean worse or inferior or bad. Different means different. Mm-hmm. And and it's about embracing change. They rise to the challenge. They 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 embrace the new status quo. They overcome it with the memory of what Splinter has taught them as the guiding force in this brave, uncertain, strange new world. That's the whole story. But conceptually, it's really cool because for the most part of the, the major part of the story, they all have their trademark colored bandanas on, their masks, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a page that gave me the freaking goosebumps. I don't care. I'm not loath to, to explain why. It, it it took me back to the days when the, the, the first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out. There's a point in the issue where they all wear red headbands. Mm. And it just 
it knocked me on my ass. Like, it's like, it's so simple. Unity, right? A brotherhood, togetherness. Let's just everybody embrace each other regardless of what they bring to the table. Like, yeah, okay, you you could say it's a, maybe a tad bit preachy, but not so in the text. Like, the message is a little... It could be construed as a little sugary sweet, but so what? Right? So freaking what? This is important stuff. And this issue was just amazing. Holy crap. Uh, it means something. It's not, most annuals, as we know, they're just filler. Like, let's just get another book out because the diehards that buy the regular series will buy the annual. But this is not one of those. This is one of those stories where it's just like, hot damn. I I feel human at the end of this story. I am going to try to impart some positivity in the world. Like, that's what this is about. And I, I think Junie Ba did a really, really great job with this issue. Um, I'm looking at the issue now. The art is lovely. It is. It, 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 it's, there, there are some pages where uh, he's got his Frank Miller hat on, where he's like, I'm going to work all in silhouette. I don't care. I'm Junie Ba. This is what I do. Uh, and, and I'm just like, ah, cool. That, because the, the pages where he works in silhouette, the, uh, you can see the red headbands. Like the, the, the red juxtaposed against the black is very stark and very, uh, it hits like a sledgehammer because that's the, the focal point, right? That red. And that's the unifying thing. That their family, their brothers, this is how they started. They had all the red headbands. Like, if you know your turtle's history, this page will really mean. And, and as they go into battle, they yell, Clan Hamato. Like, come on. If, if you ever wanted to write a love letter to the turtles, like, this is it. This is, this is, um, and if you look at the cover, um, the, the cover is, um, let me just bring it up here. Uh, blah blah blah. This program sucks. The the cover is is a um, a masked red masked turtle, but his shadow features the weapons of his other three brothers. Mm. So you got your Sai, you got your Chucks, and a bow staff. Like, come on, it's it's just brilliant. The whole thing is just from start to finish. It was just amazingly well done. And and like even if you're 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 on the fringes of, of, of speaking of eighties cartoons, if you're on the fringes of, of the turtle mythology, yeah, you'll get this issue. It's not it's not uh quantum physics, right? It's very easy to understand. And and some of the best lessons are, right? I just thought this was just perfect. Everything about it's perfect. I got nothing else to say. When you say it something, it looks awesome. Yeah, when you say something's the art's very immediate. It's very, very loose. It's Juniba, loose, free, unfettered, um, emotional, untethered. It's great. Just get it. Just go get this issue. Uh, there's a, even a cowabunga in it. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> dab, dab. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love everything yeah, about this issue. I'm gonna read it this weekend. Hopefully, Wait. hopefully, what I said will be spirited away and you'll just go into it fresh dude Bob's quite the quite the emerging force mm-hmm. props to uh to, to Brian Clark for being the first on that bot train true I got some quick hits do them up yeah um this is a book from Antarctic 
you know, one of my favorite publishers. But uh, it's called, um, it's by Motofumi Kobayashi. And it's called World War III, Battle Over Hokkaido. It's the first issue of a five-issue miniseries. The premise is, um, this may be, as the series progresses, it may be uh, uh, a case of art dovetailing with life, real life, because um, Gorbachev is assassinated. He's taken out by one of his own. And Russia goes just whole hog. They, they become very aggressive, very uh, imperialistic, and they start uh, picking on, I don't want to say lesser nations, but, but smaller nations. And it's just the beginning of the war. Um, what a crazy concept. Right? That's, what I, that's the mm-hmm. point I'm trying to make. Yeah. But um, Kobayashi, uh, who also is the writer-artist of Cat Shit 1, which is amazing, and is the flip side of this. Because in Cat Shit 1, uh, the approach is the same, but there's more... Of a humanity, there's, there's, it's grounded in humanity. Where this was, um, like Catch It One, the trappings of war are all beautifully rendered. The machinery, the, 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 the armor, the, the airplanes, the submarines, even, even the conflict. Like there, there's a, um, a hovercraft in this, a double page spread that's just god. It just takes your breath away. The rendering. There's two guys in a foxhole, and these these hovercrafts are, are are streaming by, and there's a a field in between them. And you look at it, and you're just like, oh my god, the the line work in this is just meticulous and beautiful. But uh, so for all of the weapons and the soldiers of war that are featured in this book, how just how uh, meticulously and beautifully they are rendered, this book lacks. There's no soul to it because it's just a collection of incidents that led up to the beginning of this war. Like, we don't really get any hold on the personality of any of the players yet. Like, there's no focus on, uh, you know, commanders or, 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 you know, there's no grunt eye view of the story. It just looks like it, it's it's also very hard to read because it's like, Every incident is precedented by a date. July 23rd, 1995, 8.20 a.m., Hokkaido, Kamafurano Ashikawa. And then it's just like 2nd Division, 21st Tank Resident. There's a, a, an obsessive attention to detail among the various military groups and how they're chopped up and, and, and uh, you know, portioned out. But there's really not a whole lot of attention given to the actual flesh and blood beings fighting in this war, right? So I don't know. Maybe it'll change as it's going as, as the series progresses. Catch it one lends me to believe that it will. But this first issue, I, while I enjoyed it, just because I was in awe of the 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 mastery behind the you know the pen. Uh, it, it wasn't grounded in anything for me. So uh, there's no emotional context to this. Yeah, it's terrible when a large 
nation picks on a smaller nation just because, uh, you know, human lives are lost. But you don't get the sense of that in here because the human lives aren't detailed, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So maybe it'll change, but it's it's Motofumi Kobayashi's World War Three Battle Over Hokkaido, number one from Antarctic Press. It's worth an investigation. I mean, the production quality of these books are just phenomenal. I catch it one. Uh, Antarctic doesn't do anything half-assed. Hopefully, we'll get some emotional content to this as well. It's not a slam. It's I'm not denigrating the book at all. It's just this ish, this first issue lacked a pulse. From right, my, right, yeah. What else? They can't got? all be bangers. Well, I'm I'm hoping it will turn into a banger, but mm-hmm. yeah. Pick it yeah, up. You said you had quick hits. Like four oh, quick I got, I got more. Yeah. <laughs> I got, no, I got more. I was waiting uh, for the second part of the quick hits. Yeah. Um, who's one of my all-time favorite creators? I mean, well, we just had a discussion of it. We so exactly. That's why I'm bringing it up. Who's one of George my all-time? Uh, no, yes, but he's one of my top ten. But who's in the top three? Maybe four. Frank Miller. Uh, yes, but Kirby. okay. I'll just let you. Yeah, Kirby's Gary Panther. Yes. <laughs> Kirby's number one. You fool. Uh, Gary Panther. Um, not recently, within the, the, the space of a year or so, had a, a book come out from Fantagraphics that was released in a, a bunch, a, a two different flavors. There was a, 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 a an oversized hardcover that had a black and white comic-sized uh, version of the what I, I'm guessing was in color because I didn't buy it. Um, main story in the hardcover tipped in like you got you got a comic sized version of the story and you got an oversized hardcover version of the story in color the comics in black and white the the story the the, the comic in question is called crash pad by gary panter um subtitled the unfurling lotus and and to his credit or to fanographics credit they they formatted the the black and white crash pad, almost the same as they did Bongo's uh, Jimbo series, which is cool because, you know, precedent, legacy, all that shit. But like World War Three Battle Over Hokkaido, there was no pulse to this for me. Mm. Yeah, and that, that, that hurts. That's when, great. Has that ever happened before? No, no. Because, I mean, Panthers, I mean, we're talking decades of work that you've adored. Yes. It's just... Wow. The, there's two stories in this. The the, the first is um, just gobbledygook. Uh, cosmic gobbledygook about, <laughs> you know, patterns and symbols and and energy and process and time and it's just it makes no sense to me the art's wonderful it's gary panner so yeah i'm down with it i'll look at it forever but the story is just like okay it just it it was like somebody playing a cover tune um injecting their own uh, musical sensibilities into it but the lyrics are just this repetitive um, just gobbledygook. That's all I can. That's the way I can. Uh, you know, it's it's 
quantum theory and 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 Terence McKenna esque uh, postulations on on life, the universe, and everything. And I just there's it just didn't have a soul to me. And then then the main story that takes up the bulk of the issues is a bunch of uh, stoners just just trying to get high. And uh, a cowboy trying to squelch those um, those uh, their, their goals. That's it. It's uh, I I just didn't find anything in the storytelling that made it that elevated it to the level of Jimbo or or you know Purgatory or any of any of his uh, his his stuff that I just you know. Uh, Dal Tokyo, the stuff that I just love of his, this story was just this. It was almost an afterthought. Like I'm just gonna make some art and attach the most threadbare, thinnest of of of, of narratives to it. That's kind of okay when it's panter, because I come for the art, right? Was I a little bit disappointed? I'd be lying if I didn't say I was. So uh, I'm glad I bought it. I'm glad I didn't buy the hardcover. Mm. You know, uh, the most interesting part of the issue to me was uh, inside back and back cover, he just lists a bunch of things that he's recently consumed. Books, music, um, like movies, that was worth the price of admission to me. And and like the old Joe Kubert Heroes catalog, all of the images of the things that he digested are hand drawn. So that's great. Like it's it's got a DIY feel to it. It's Panther, and uh, I loved that part of it. But the the guts of this issue. In narrative terms, did nothing for me. The art, holy, I'll be flying that panther flag forever. But the, uh, the 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 story here, such as it is, as slight as it is, was just like an afterthought. I did, now this did, may, uh, I was going to say, that my question for you is this: this may be difficult to answer, uh, depending. But do you think your disdain for the work, at least in as much as it didn't let you on fire like most of his stuff has done is it because you don't connect with the idea of like quantum oh, mechanics no, and all that no. or is it that you thought it wasn't uh, a, a, he didn't really do a good job of capturing those concepts is it, is no, it, is it more no. like the execution or more that you just don't find that stuff interesting it's not the visual execution mm-hmm. it, it just seemed like he was checking boxes okay. like that that's he's speaking my language right um, again, I, I, I am a devotee of, of Terrence McKenna and, and all those, um, Huxley and those guys. And, and it's just, yeah, he's, he's, the language was on point, but the way he manipulated the words as, as, you know, for what they were, it just, it just seemed like he was just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, when I say I love Gary Panner, I'm not... There's no hyperbole. I, I love this guy's work. I've bought everything he's ever released, not only visually. I've bought his records. I've bought his tchotchkes. I've, I've tried to get my hands on, on everything, his sketchbook. Yeah. Like, whatever he does, the money comes out of my pockets. So 
uh, I was, you know, duty bound by just my love of what he does to buy this. But something about it. Um, when, when the original solicit came out of Fantagraphics, I was just like, well, I like that cover, but something's telling me that this is, I don't want this oversized $35 or whatever, $39, um, 60 page. It's, it's a very, you know, skinny uh, publication. It's there's not a whole lot going on. I'm not going to invest in the hardcover. And then later on, they solicited the the uh, additional material, the, the the regular size, well, the panther sized comic for five ninety nine. Like, okay, cool. I'll see what I missed. Maybe I can go back and buy that hardcover. I was glad that I didn't buy the hardcover. I didn't need it. It does not stand shoulder to shoulder with Songy of Paradise or Purgatory. All of the stuff that has come out of Fantagraphics to date from Gary. This is not in the same ballpark with all that. It doesn't hurt. I'll just wait for the next thing he releases. Right. Right? We have our ups and downs. It's funny. I think Panther is so... This is how I know how beloved he is. I feel like you tread very lightly in discussing Panther on the show. I do because... I mean, we all have our sacred cows. Yeah. And he's one of them. It's like Fables. You never wanted to talk about Fables when it was coming out. Right. No. No, but I mean, I think my disappointment with this was what propelled me to talk about it. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, yeah. I, yeah, I think like like again, longtime listeners know how you feel about Panther. But if if someone was just to search for USC conversation about Panther, it, it, there isn't much. Not and, a whole and, lot. No. And now what is there? It's somewhat negative. It's funny, right? Like it's kind of ironic. But yeah, had he never done a, a comic panel past Jimbo, he would still be. In the pantheon for me, yeah. Jimbo well, Jim- was one of those people where where I I know when we started the show I wasn't ready for the Panther, <laughs> but for the last few years I've been like oh, I really need to give Panther a good a good hard look now. Like I'm eh. ready. I'm ready, Sensei. Ah, I think you got. Another start t- with this. I think you got another ten years to go. See, that's hurtful. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Jeez. <laughs> No, because I was just thinking about like like that's one of the greats that I don't know much of anything about. I just don't like yeah, I just don't I don't know much about his work. Well, all you gotta do is get the uh I think it's Pantheon. I'm pretty sure it's Pantheon. The Pantheon Jimbo book. I think mm-hmm. it was reprinted recently by someone other than Pantheon. And just do you get- say that you think that's the best? Or do you think it's the most accessible? Oh, or- no, it's not accessible at all. That That is by far his artistic peak. Okay. Yeah, he was just ripping down walls with, with Jimbo. Just shredding, um, uh, you know, uh, anticipations and and accepted modes of visual representation. He was like, fuck it, I'm I'm just going to do what I want to do. It is just a, it's a masterpiece. And to put it into words would, I think, somehow lessen it. But not because I don't have the ability. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't have the ability to to, to verbalize how I feel about Jimbo. But you you just need to experience it. it have you it, had uh, occasions to, to chat, chat him up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have okay. OA from Panther too. Very nice. Yeah. 
So um, I, I'm, I'm looking now just because I'm so so. There's the Jimbo Adventures in Paradise, which collect, is that what you're talking about? Is no, that... it's the the Jimbo okay. stuff that that came out uh, that was in Raw and uh, other um, periodicals, I guess you could say. Because there's, yeah. it looks. I'm just looking on Amazon. There's there's uh, there's Jimbo's Inferno. Jimbo in Purgatory. Right. Those are good. Those are very, very, very good. The 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 one you want, I think, is um see, I have the some of the original uh publications, but the one I I just worship is Jimbo Adventures in Paragra- Paradise that was put out by Oh, that's what I just said. Adventures Jimbo Adventures in Paradise. Yeah, it's been republished, but it was originally published by Pantheon in eighty eight. This is re. This came out. La- this is republished last year by yeah. New York Review. Comics. That's the one you got to get. Yeah, right. it's only like it's less than a hundred pages, but it's exhausting because <laughs> the no, it, it. no, it is the, just the the the. It's a quantum leap in 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 art in storytelling in in comics. It is just it just melts if you put this on the shelf. With other books around it, they will just destroy themselves in a puddle of goo because they can't <laughs> compare to how good this is. No pressure. No, it is. It's 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 a masterpiece. Yep. There there hasn't been many. It challenges Kirby. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's the young upstart. Ver- at the time, version of Kirby. It's in the same spirit, but it's takes that Kirby aesthetic and it adds punk to it. So it, it where Jack was breaking rules just to transfer his sensibilities to paper, Panner's breaking rules because it also has that punk aesthetic to it. He's breaking them just because he wants to, and he can. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's perfect. It's just perfection. I've said that twice again this episode. I gotta stop it because there's no there's no such thing. There's perfect to me, and then there's right. yeah, there's your well, that's definition. what you're talking about. Right, right. I, I, I was toying with the idea of getting my Panoroa as a tattoo, but I don't think anybody would do justice to it. So I will just be content with the with the the actual art. Yeah. Uh, was that it on the quick hits? Um, let me see. It could be. No, it's not. All right, then. Yeah, this is going to be very fast. Um, from Bad Kids Press, the first of, of four issues written by, where the hell is it? Oh, Rel Torres. Whoa. That is serious. You don't know how appropriate that is for this book. Um, art by Lucas Kowalczyk. It's Frankenrocker and the Jailbait Punks. Yeah, um, this is a book that embraces form and narrative. Uh, it's a visual treat. Uh, the Frankenstein monster leads a punk band. And this alien civilization is having trouble defending themselves against an aggressor so they send out this 
Siamese twin type multi-headed alien to go to a use a teleporter go to a different planet find their champion bring them back to help defend against these 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 uh encroaching uh agents and who do they bring back the frankenstein monster that's it that's the the setup for this but um there's a story but the the form of this issue the actual pages as art objects it's just beautiful it's freaking amazing the it's big daddy roth it's hot rod culture it's universal monsters um it's grade z movie you know uh aesthetic it's it's bubblegum and garbage pail kids and it all of the kitsch and the 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 the, the quote detritus that um pop culture produces it's all in here like this is i want i need a vinyl of of frankenrocker and you know what his name is his first name not frank no go back to your mary shelley not victor it's adam his his name is adam it's perfect they, it's just, the the members of the the band is the 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 guitarist is Nikki Disaster, who plays rhythm guitar. Adam Frankenrocker is the vocal and lead guitar. Jenny Destruction is on drums, and Alexa Violence is on bass. Like, shut up! This is this this was he he actually like I must have been sleeping, and they the creative team walked up to me and just cracked open my head and was like, "What do you want to see in a comic?" Okay. Punk Frankenstein monster. I'm down with it. This book is great. Um, very heavy cardstock covers, slick, um, clay coated paper. Like this is just a, awesome. And it was only four ninety nine from Bad Kids Press. There's going to be four issues, of which this is the first. And there's a pastiche on the cover of Paul Simonon from the cover of the Clash's London Calling. You've seen it when when wow. uh, Simonon's you know gonna smash the 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 bass. That's what Frankie's doing on the cover of this. But the guitars is getting hit by lightning. It is perfect. Three for three. Suck it. I don't care. Suck it. <laughs> it's just great. Now, Jason, I love you, but mm. this is not the book for you. <laughs> <laughs> No. Oh, <laughs> Next. Yeah. No, this is not a Jason book. <sighs> That's cool, though, that we all have different, you know, our favorite dishes are not all the same, but we'll, Damn sit, skippy, we'll sit down at the same table any day of the week. That's mm-hmm. right. We'll sit down at Guy Fieri's in Times Square. So, um, mid to late 90s, I wasn't, I was aware of what some things were going on in the world of, of comics, but I wasn't a um, wasn't hitting the shops and, and and getting things on the regular. So there are a few things from that time that um, I'm playing catch up on, or, or at least want to check out as as uh, as they come up. And uh, last year or so, DC re-released a new edition of the Final Night, which was a weekly event that. Um, I knew about, and I knew what it was going to do, but I had never read it. Um, so this this 
this trade collects uh, the four issues of the final night, uh, the JLA and Crisis secret files, uh, Green Lantern number 81, and uh, Parallax Emerald Knight number one, which was a one shot. And, and it's it's actually they, they present it in proper reading order. So um, you get the uh, the first three issues of the main miniseries and then the Parallax issue and the fourth issue and then the the epilogue, which takes place in Green Lantern. Um, the bulk of the issue is illustrated by uh, Stuart Eminent and uh, Jose Marzon Jr. And it's it's early Eminent. Um, but it's still, you can still see he's got the chops and he's only going to get better from here. It's also early Mike McCone, uh, inked by Mark McKenna. And, uh, and of course on the Green Lantern issue, it's Daryl Banks inked by Romeo Tangal. And, uh, your writers are Carl Castle for just about all of it. Uh, except for the parallax issue at the Green Lantern issue is written by Ron Mars. And I'm not going to rehash my whole thing about, um, what caused Hal Jordan to do what he did and go crazy and try to rebuild, recreate coast city and take out the guardians and the whole core just about, um, because the guardians weren't going to let him do what he wanted to do. Um, so basically once that happened and we have a new green lantern, um, Hal doesn't necessarily go quietly into the night, but, but he becomes parallax and apparently parallax is extremely powerful. Um, but before we get to that, there's a, um, there's, there's a threat heading towards earth before it comes to earth. It stops at, um, uh, new Tamarin, which is, I guess their starfires. People left, had to leave their old planet, found a home on another planet. Uh, but this the planet is all of a sudden very cold snow is forming and, and, and there's something seriously wrong. Uh, but there was someone who was trying to let everybody make it, make everyone aware, uh, that there was imminent danger on its way. Um, and she's, uh, we come to find out we're going to give her a code name of dusk. And she's basically, she's the harbinger of doom. She, she's kind of like pariah where she's just going to come running in and, you know, troubles brewing. I got to dodge. And, uh, but the Tamarins stop her because they're just, it's a stranger. And, and she was probably going to harm us. And meanwhile, she's basically just letting them know there's a sun eater coming. Y'all are going to die. But, they don't want to hear that. Coriander's sister is still the queen, and uh, and and she's not necessarily power hungry, but she's very short sighted, and um, she's she doesn't trust Dusk, so she's got her own own issues. And and she, are we she talking Blackfire here, by the way? Yes. Yeah, Commander. Um, so they send out their whole armada, which includes the general. Um, uh, General Faison, he's he's actually Coriander's husband. Um, 
He's he's leading the Armada. They're going to go face it. Um, does not go well for them. And uh, so now Starfire is a widow. Um, and after they bury the dead, or what was left, for any, and actually the stones aren't even, there's nobody in the ground. These are just markers. Um, so uh, Commander is now going to torture Dusk and demand um, she's either going to make it right or explain herself. And um, Coriander rescues Dusk, sends her off, and she's listening, you know, go let others, let other worlds know what's coming. And um, Starfire's like, I'll, I'll draw their fire. You get out of here. Um, but of course, the queen is now upset at her sister, calling coriander a traitor and um they're going to use she 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 commands the soldier to use the third to to thermal tap put basically whatever the hell's powering our planet and keeping us alive divert all that power to destroy these two ships but in doing so she basically she she destroys the planet no basically about it the planet is destroyed so now coriander is basically the last zamarin um but we really don't see her throughout the rest of the story. Like that's it, and and um, and this is an era where DC had the two Legion books, had Legion superheroes, had Legionnaires, and Legionnaires are basically trapped in the 20th century and in Metropolis. And this is these are the these are the Legionnaires where instead of lightning lasts, it's spark. Um, you have Inferno, and 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 it's not Pharaoh Lad, it's just Pharaoh. And as soon as I saw him at the beginning on the credits page, and I knew that the threat was a Sun Eater, I was like, "Are they really going to just redo what they did years ago? And I, I'd be, are, are we re, are we re, are we retelling this story with just a whole bunch of other characters?" Um, but as the uh, as the threat comes and basically engulfs the sun uh and the sun's trying to fight back the sun is you know it's it's not shrinking it's it's just it it, it's about to go nova and so the heroes lex luther is actually in australia i think he's in australia he's he's uh he's on vacation he's actually kind of like hiding out because i guess there's a lawsuit against him at this time um but he's hiding out and he's like well if metropolis is in danger if the world is in danger i'm gonna head home because, you know, I'm the only one smart enough to fix this problem, I'm sure. Uh, even though Brainiac 5 is, like, right there. But uh, he heads back. Now, of course, without the sun, Superman's power is dwindling. Uh, Phantom Stranger and Spectre are here. And Phantom Stranger's like, listen, are you going to do... All you, basically, you ought to. Are you just... Are you going to do anything? Or are you going to help these people? Are you going to help the planet? And he's like, listen, if the affairs are man are more simple to judge than the ways of God. And, and if he has decided that this is the end, then who am I to impose my will over his? So he's just, he's like, whatever happens, just, you know, they deserve it. And you've got a bunch of, um, the teams are splitting off. You have Captain Adam and Mr. Miracle and Barda and, and some of the Legionnaires on one team. And you've got, um, Green Lantern, Kyle and, um, and the Ray, and Sentinel, which is the de-aged Alan Scott and Firestorm, and so you have you have a bunch of heroes who can generate heat. They're going to try to like jumpstart or, or or form a second sun to either 
warm the earth and give it life again, or at least maybe have the sun eater make its way towards them and leave the sun alone. Um, none of this is working. And and at the end of the first issue, basically, the sun is gone and the earth is, is just getting colder. Um, second issue is our heroes kind of like reacting to people burning down their apartment buildings because they're just trying to stay warm and fire got out of the way and then you've got a couple people who are just partying because it's the end of the world as we know it and um for some reason at this point vince's favorite character vandal savage decides to go steal the mona lisa like it and and it's just he figures because that's what busy. you do when everything is going to shit <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the police are busy so no one's gonna stop and 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 so he tells this story about how uh as i promised you know we, we'd be together again and it's like you know I, I had to blackmail leonardo into painting you and i had to blackmail you into sitting for the painting and and i suppose that explains the smile but um it, it batman just shows up he's like so stealing the painting is karmic payback on a girl who wouldn't say yes 500 years ago hey give me a break savage this is art theft pure and simple and um as he Savage whips out a gun and tries to shoot Batman, and but of course Superman stops the bullets just barely. He's out of breath. He's winded. Um, they send Kyle into space with a probe to go into the Sun Eater and hopefully the Sun and get as much data as as uh, as possible. And of course Luther's doing Luther being Luther. He's just he's got shit to say and 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 everybody's better than he's better than everybody. Um, the third issue, seem, people seem to kind of just are, are, are trying to come to terms with, with what's what's going to happen and what's not going to happen. Um, and you, you've you got Warrior, a.k.a. Guy Gardner. He's like, you know, he's just going to just um, kind of he can't even get drunk because of uh, his his Valdarian physiology won't uh basically as soon as he starts to get a buzz it just his body just adapts and and it it it's kind of like the flash you just metabolism just ain't gonna happen but um the end of the third issue when we see guy he looks startled and that's because the events that happened in this one shot of um featuring parallax and this one shot starts off at the wall because Hank Henshaw, Cyborg Superman, is at the wall and he's going to try to breach it or get over it and see and, and get to the other side. Um, but Parallax is there. Parallax has been hunting him because it is the Cyborg Superman and Mongol that destroyed Coast City. So this is basically Hal's just been on a crusade and he's like, he's, he's it's simple revenge getting rid of you because of what you got rid of. And, um, and Henshaw's like, you know, no, you're going to take me to trial. No prison can hold me. And it's, and, and it's like, and, and basically Hal is sort of kind of like I got at this point. So he ain't, he ain't hearing it. They have a little bit of a scuffle. Um, but then, uh, then Hal basically, um, generates the millions of people who were, were killed in coast city. Um, and they basically engulf, um, 
Henshaw, and then he kind of just disappears, and that and 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 that's it. And so, um, Cyborg Superman is dead. And um, and while while Hal's still kind of just thinking about what he did and and how it's not going to bring anybody back, but it it, it it maybe gives him some peace. Kyle Rayner shows up, and he's telling Hal, "Listen, you've got to come and save Earth." So I, I don't I don't know what else we can do we're, we're, we're pretty much tapped out as far as our all, all of our abilities everybody's doing what they can do we don't have much time if anybody can fix this uh it's you and and hell's basically just like you know they don't want me there and i don't know if it's he's basically struggling with it He's like, you know, is, is any is any good going to come of it? If, if if I save, you know, people think what they think about me, and it is what it is. So, um, and I try to save, or at least replace what was lost years ago, and look what happened. So if I if I try to fix this, or if I try to save the world, the entire planet at this point, you know, how do I? You you didn't want me to save my little corner of my my world, but you want me to save the whole world. So it's kind of he's looking at it as you know it's kind of ironic. So so Hal's kind of just going around. He thinks about it, and and he under the impression that he decides to do what he can. So he um, he makes the rounds, and we get back to Guy from the end of the third issue, and. Um, Hal shows up at um, at Warrior's Bar, and and he and Guy are just shooting the ship for a little while, um, and uh, and they kind of just explain to each other that you know they're we didn't see what each other could offer. You know, Hal's a stick in the mud. Guy thought you know it was his way was the best way all the time, and it was just you know nobody could tell him different, and it was. They they they, they kind of just came to a meeting of the minds during this conversation. After he leaves Guy, he goes to visit John, who apparently I don't know how because this is something that that, that DC doesn't really do is, is is really go into things that led up. They John Stewart is is in a hospital bed and and he's crippled. Doctors say he'll never walk again. I have no idea how or why that happened and and there's nothing there's no footnotes there's nothing in here before or after that that may give you any indication as to what happened you wouldn't even know what issues to maybe go look for if you wanted to find out what the hell happened to john but in any event john's in a hospital bed hal goes to visit him see how he's doing obviously and not well but hal does give him the ability to walk again um and then he goes to visit the gravesite of Oliver Queen. No word, no, nothing is said there. Um, he leaves some flowers, and then he disappears so he can go see Tom. And uh, and he's just chatting with Tom for a little bit. Tom's like, you know, Tom's working on a plane. He's like, it's it's, it's the end of the world. Like I can't. All I can do, I'm gonna keep myself busy, and be around my family. I'm just gonna, I, I'm gonna do what I can do. I'm just gonna, no work on a plane just just keep my mind occupied do that so they're talking for a little while he leaves tom he goes to visit carol 
and and uh, you know he, he tells Carol, he's like, listen, we just go. I'll I'll grab you, and we just we bounce. We'll go find somewhere else, and we'll just you know just be the two of us. And she's like, it's never going to be the two of us. You you are who you are. It's never going to happen. You're you're Green Lantern. You're going to want to save people. There's no. It's never just going to be us. And it never will be. It never was going to be, which is why it never really worked out. So, just do what you got to do, or do what you're going to do. And we know this, and 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 that's it. And Hal's deciding that I'm going to make this right. Ganthet appears because Ganthet's always been a part of Parallax, and um, and Ganthet offers him a ring, and he's like, you know. You can use this, and he's like, seriously. He's like, he's like, you're going to. I I tried to get my ring back, and you know, you stopped me. And why why are you trying to get me a ring now? And again, it's like, listen, we, the guardians don't really, we don't sway. If our minds are made up on something, this is it. This is the this is our decision. This is our judgment. This is what it is. So, you know, we live our lives with order, and you were not prepared to abide by what our rule was and you tried to do it your way and that doesn't excuse what you did but i do understand why you did it and i understand why you feel that we are somewhat to blame um so honestly this one shot definitely made me feel better about how how it was treated 30 odd months prior um but uh but he does decide to help and in the fourth issue um that's that's exactly what he does so um lex and brainiac um they decide to using brainiac's force fields uh, or the Legionnaires force fields, they um, they make hundreds of little miniature force fields. And uh, and what they're going to do is um, they'll be able to contain the blast when, um, when the Sun Eater explodes. And Luthor is like, you know, I would probably be the one to uh, pilot the ship. I'd be the ideal choice. But I doubt the ship will survive. Um, so there is somebody who I think would be able to survive if the ship goes down. And that's Green Lantern. So Kyle's like, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'll do it if um, if I have to. And then all of a sudden he disappears. And that's because that's when um, Hal pulled Kyle out to tell him I'm going to take care of it. But, of course, all the heroes are like, I don't know where the hell... Kyle went. So, um, so Batman's like, well, I guess we'll go with Luther's first choice. And Lex is like, what the fuck are you rattling about? And he's like, no, wait, no, no, I am not going to go on that suicide ship. He's like, I didn't work this hard to be cremated on the edge. I, I did this so I could live. And, and, and the Trinity is standing there like, yeah, that's, that's, that, we understand perfectly. Your, your reaction's perfectly human, Lex. You basically just, you showed your hand. The whole room has now seen who you really are, what you're really about. Um, so Superman's like, listen, I'll do this. I'll I'll pilot the ship. I'm not going to lose another planet. So um, I'll head out. 
and and Captain Marvel's like, yeah, but you're not. You're basically human at this point. You're not going to survive. And and Superman's like, well, maybe when I destroy Sun Eater, the sun comes back. Before I explode, maybe the sun will recharge me somewhat. Um, so Superman goes into an office to write Lois a letter. But while he's in there, Pharaoh hops in the ship. And he's like, I'm going to take care of it. Um but before Pharaoh can get there, Parallax shows up, sends Pharaoh back to Earth, and um, and he decides to do what he can do, and and he does it. He saves the day. Hal Jordan redeems himself, even though Batman throughout all of this was just like, listen, I'm not, uh, I'm not making a martyr out of a murderer. Hal, one shining moment, doesn't redeem Parallax for what he did and tried to do, you know. Hal still murdered people, and that's how Batman is just going to see Hal from here on out. It's like, it doesn't matter all the years he, he helped people, and he was a legion, he was he was a leaguer, and, and this, that, and the other. It's like he he did wrong one time. That's all you need for Batman. And the last issue in the book is uh, is a funeral for Hal. All his friends are there. A few even say some have some nice words to say. Um, and then at the end, Batman does say that uh, if um, maybe I'll never understand what happened to Hal, but it, I can at least find it in my heart uh, to forgive him. And um, and eventually, Hal becomes Spectre. But apparently, following the final night, um, this was uh, this set up the new JLA, the Morrison Run. Um, after this, Nightwing moves to Bloodhaven. Um, Superboy joins with other young heroes known as the Ravers, which I don't remember at all. Um, they were talking about the, uh, the Legionnaire stranded in the 20th century. Um, at his powers waning after Earth's final night, the Man of Steel seeks to rejuvenate himself and is transformed into an energy-based Superman with completely different abilities. And I, I do remember when that happened. Um, and then, of course, there was Superman Red and Blue. But, um, but, yeah, so this was one of those things where I'm glad I finally read it. There was some closure. I, I understand the story. It was... Um, it, it There was a pretty pretty heavy threat, but there, was, there were some things here because it was the mid late 90s uh zatanna's written kind of weird she, she she's awfully chatty almost kind of like immature and 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 i don't know if this was a if she was gay or if she was just really friendly with fire for some reason it was just it was weird but um for the most part i mean it, it's written by kessel and 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 he knows the characters he's he, superboy shows up and and of course he's got his his quips but um there really is too many there is there isn't one particular hero or character that really has a moment to shine in the entire book until you get towards the end with Hal but um, it was a pretty serious threat for our heroes and uh, you take away the sun you kind of take away Superman and now everybody else is kind of scrambling to see how they can save the day but the final night was it, it, it's a it's a pretty nifty little weekly event um, that did set some things up for DC and um some things that which stuck but yeah i'm 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 glad i finally read it i i I think it was pretty nifty the art's pretty cool um 
and there are some moments where it definitely feels like feels like a '90s book, but overall, it was enjoyable. Cool. Did you ever read events? Nice. Um, Pour one out for my man uh, Hank Henshaw. Damn. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, he's been back, but yeah. Well, we Did hope you you've enjoyed this book of the month episode, and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll return. No, yeah. I no, I read Final Night. Yeah, sure, as it was coming out. Uh, but I didn't have a lot of uh, emotional baggage with the story because Hal, like, okay, uh, you know, no, I mean, I, I like him as a character. I get it. No, I get no it. but I, I wasn't following Green Lantern prior to Final Night. So oh, all the, I was. Yeah, no, I sure was hell wasn't. Yeah, all the stuff that happened, I'm just like, okay, I guess that happened. Uh, yeah, I had no context, really. Uh, aside from the Superman stuff, I wasn't invested in this story, but I guess it it did its job because I started buying Nightwing after this. You know, I, I Greg Land, notwithstanding, I I I stuck with Nightwing uh, through a whole bunch of issues, and uh, yeah, I, I, it was enjoyable, I guess. Yeah, from what I remember, right. I, I haven't read it since it came out, and I, I do remember Superboy and the Ravers, but I did not buy it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool beans. Uh, Hey, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Please come back for the next one. And remember, all of this is made possible by our patrons. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around. Audio, video, images, polls, discussion, Slack, membership that um opens the door for a uh a daily communal with everybody else that listens to this crap so uh please take a look around patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics in your travels i admit i'm late to the game with this and i'm only really going to talk about one issue but i'm about 80 percent finished with X-Men, the Jonathan Hickman Omnibus. boy. I think that's what it's called. X-Men by Jonathan Hickman Omnibus, which includes X-Men... Now, this is post-Hoxpox. So you get X-Men 1 to 21 and all of the giant size issues. Giant size Jean Grey and Emma Frost, Magneto, Phantom X, and Storm. Uh, so, so I finished the lion's share of this omnibus and i thought it was very well done i don't want to call it uneven but some issues have more magnitude or more weight than others obviously uh there's this cool little story about uh the the king egg there's a brood Mm -hmm. egg that's a, a king and it drives all of the queens into a frenzy and uh it's neat because it was um the whole egg was manufactured by another race in order to to stir up some uh, tumult and uh, uncertainty in the universe and 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 uh, disaster. But anyway, the the story, the issue that I really want to talk about, I don't know what issue it is. I'm not going to flip through this book to find it, but it's an economic summit between the mutants and world powers. 
Oh yeah, and it, it is. It was my uh, best thing I read this uh, that week that the week that that came out. That was yeah, that, that is yeah. just a. I think it's issue seven. Is it? Um, I don't recall. Yeah, I can't be sure. But basically, um, there's very little action in the issue. Um, Scott and uh, uh, not Golem. What's his name? The the mutant that is pretty much perfect. Uh, he can turn you to stone. Gorgon. Yeah, Gorgon. Yeah, I remember reading that character back in the Wolverine series, and I'm like, okay, so they just invented the perfect mutant. Like, he can't do anything wrong. He he split the atom while he was in the womb, mm-hmm. uh, basically, uh, and wrote a symphony about it simultaneously. But um, so Scott and Gorgon just rip through grunts. That that's the only action in the issue. It's not a whole lot of pages. the The bulk of the issue is a sit down between. The um, the council, uh, some, most of them, and uh, the economic leaders of the world, and the the thing that really got me, and it's was mere, it was reinforced in the fact that when David was talking about Vandal Savage, who I have decided is the apocalypse of the DC universe, only in, only inferior, vastly inferior to vastly. Uh, to, to apocalypse. But basically, they're they're talking about world history, and it's like, yes, humanity has a, a number of of eras in which we have no data, we have no no information, and Apocalypse steps up and says, "Oh, all that stuff you don't remember, I caused that. That was mm-hmm. me." And that it was just amazing, and the 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 dialogue in the issue is perfect because it's it's humans jockeying for power among these gods in a sense and they just shut them down on every level it was great it's a it's a wonderful issue it basically it it ends with the mutants saying we're going to do what we're going to do you have been uh exploiting humanity forever with drugs designed to keep them alive we're going to do that but we're going to up you in your game and do it better than you ever did and all of the shit that you seem to be using as as the sort of Damocles over our heads, that's irrelevant. We are far superior to you. And we're going to show you in the coming months how that is true. I just thought it was great. It it, it is like the 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 keystone of these in, the entire 21 issue run. I think it's wonderful. This is a, a great book. Um, I'm not a huge uh, Lionel Francis U fan. I mean, I like him enough, but I, I think there are other artists in this book that eclipse his efforts, like Mahmoud Asrar, just saying, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Ramon Perez, uh, Rod Rice is in here, Russell Dowderman, come on. Um, he great, but th- there are, there are um, Nick Dragada's in here. I think it's a worthy purchase. I'm glad I bought it. Uh, I, I enjoyed a lot of it, most of it. Buy it. That's what I'm saying. Excellent. Yeah, just go out and buy it. I think it's a seminal run on on the mm-hmm. X books. Uh, certainly because it it garnered my attention. Somebody who has been walled off to this part of the Marvel universe for a long, long, long time. And uh, Hoxpox opened the door. The Swords of what is it? Swords of Ten. That pretty much sealed the deal. And I'm glad I I, I bought this. Uh, X-Men proper omnibus because it's just great. It's wonderful stuff. 
So, uh, X-Men by Jonathan Hickman, Omnibus from Marvel. It's a worthy purchase. Go out and get it. It's it's food for the... It, it works both below the belt and above the belt. Uh, above the neck, I should say. That's better. So if you want to feed your brain and your nether regions, this is the book to do it. Jason, did you read Marauders number one? Not yet. Okay. I won't say anything about it then. That's fair. Did you like it? I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the art was a bit um, unexpected. It's very, very stylized and very clean and almost manga-esque in some spots. But the roster for the new Marauders is really strange to me. Is Kate still in it? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. she's still. But she's, who, who, who's the team? Well, I don't want to say because oh. it'll. I think it'll spoil it for you. No, well, I think they already announced the team. I mean, I don't care. It doesn't. Well, Bishop, uh, um, what's her name? The the twins from Alpha Flight, the uh, Aurora. Aurora North Star. Aurora, no, not North Star. Just Aurora. Just Aurora. Oh, uh, but oh, that's right. And Cassandra Nova's in it, right? Yeah, I, that's the weird part. Like, why? Yeah. Uh, oh. I thought it was a little strange. Uh, very strange, actually. But yeah, um, I remember when that was announced, people were kind of like, "Oh, really?" Uh, Revan- Revanche is in it, right, Psylocke? Yeah. So, what's the deal? How did they split? Because Betsy Braddock is an Excalibur. How did they split the two entities? Well, remember, because they they all can come back to life now, right? So, so they brought Revanche back, and they brought Betsy Braddock. But they're the same person. No, 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 no. no. No, Betsy took over the body. yeah, Betsy took over the body. Betsy uh, took over always, the body of another mutant They were two different named, people until yeah, yeah. The, the, there was a mutant named Revanche, R E V A N C A R E V A N C H E. Okay, she was Japanese, you know, badass ninja-like mutant, and uh, Betsy and Betsy took over her body. Okay. Yeah. So so now now again every every mutant's back to being fair game. So they're. Betsy's back in her OG body because they were able to resurrect it. Oh, nice, nice. And and Revanche is back in her body. And and Dakin's in it, like Dakin's in a lot of the books. Um, yeah, Dakin, Dakin was front and center in in. Um, but he doesn't go the, by Dakin uh, anymore. He goes by uh, it's a Japanese name. His it's his that's his given name. Yeah, it's just it's 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 odd. He doesn't seem to be that big of a dick as he was before. He's not. They 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 had. Uh, I forget what writer, but but some time ago they they had kind of morphed him into more of a a neutral type of a more in line with like his dad, like you know, yeah, capable of doing some heinous shit, but like not inherently evil. Um, but uh, yeah, he was pretty prominently featured in the um, the X lives next deaths of Wolverine. Uh, you know, oh yeah, didn't, Percy just did. Didn't read that. Yeah, I tell you, um, I always liked the character of Gorgon, but as an antagonist, it's hard to write a story around a character that can basically do anything. But I think as an ally, mm-hmm. he works much better. Yeah, he um, in the uh, the new in in the Immortal X Men, where like I was talking about last week, where they're they're vying for figuring out who's going to take over the quiet council seat of Magneto. Um, he throws his hat in the ring. Oh, nice. There, there's one line from uh, 
the issue, uh, the economic summit issue, where he he's like, your mistake was thinking that the sword was the weapon. It's, exactly. The sword's yeah. not the, yeah, I'm the weapon. That is just, that's great. Great writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. So, yeah, I'm glad I, I, I finally read it. I'm glad you read it too. I thought it was, yeah, it's great. It's very great. Warms my heart. Hopefully it's uh, the omnibus should be in my next box. So. Look at all y'all motherfuckers. Yeah, I think you. I, I really think you'll like it. It's it's unconventional ex it, mutant writing. It's it doesn't play by the the the, the preordained rules. It's taking it doing whatever yeah, the, the fuck I he mean, wants to do. On the on the surface, I'm for it, but I I have unfortunately found very little of Steve Orlando's writing that have grabbed that has grabbed me. So, so I go. I go in worried. I mean, I just there's something about his writing. I just don't. You're talking about Marauders. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I thought it was it was he he's retconning some stuff. Uh, not retconning. Um, I don't even know if there's a word for it. But in in, in inter, injecting a a very very important nugget of mutant mythology into the the history. Where heretofore it didn't exist, mm-hmm. like Kitty has this puzzle box that supposedly is like two billion years old, and uh, her fingerprint, uh, her identity is tied to it. Like, how could that be? But there's the there there are two same reason Aaron keeps telling us there were Avengers a, bit, a million years ago. Right. I mean, they're just trying to create this this legacy thing. Cool. I get it. But something about the, the there's an original strain of mutants that are being kept alive and are being subjugated by the Shi'ar and the the Shi'ar and Kitty. They infiltrate Shi'ar space and they're going to go against. There's a new guard, for so to speak, uh, among the Shi'ar. They're the Red Guard that we've never seen. That like okay, novelty's great, but you're rewriting history like why up until this point have we never seen this red guard before if they and but they he couches sure. it in the fact that oh we only come out under the most extreme circumstances hmm, okay, well. right and this is one of yeah. those so okay cool but i, 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 I enjoyed almost, it i thought it was really, pretty good yeah i almost lost my shit i, I talked to, i know i talked a little bit about the uh x the x lies and deaths of wolverine uh last week when it wrapped up but um, one thing I didn't say because it just – it was almost – fortunately, it was just a throw-in, so I was able to get past it. But it was almost to the level of of uh, of, of Jeff Loeb turning Wolverine into a dog. Um, the In the story, they retconned that fucking Logan got the symbiote, mm. the null symbiote in his blood during Vietnam. And that they tried to use the symbiote to make him into Weapon X. And they couldn't, and so that's why they ended up deciding to imbue, uh, go to Plan B, which was to lace him with adamantium. And I was like, "Nah, dude." See, I'm, I'm like, not beholden to Wolverine, but that's just wrong. I'm like, we don't need the symbiote being p- pulled into the like mythos of 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 characters that far that far that go far, be- you know that 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 were created far before the symbiotes were even a thing. Like, like you're killing me. Like, I like enough already with the fucking symbiotes. I mean, seriously. Like honestly, <laughs> Christ, damn! But it was just a throw-in. It was just, it was meant to be like, oh snap! But like, I hope no writer ever decides to pick up that that thread ever again. 
<laughs> wow. Uh, I did. Let's see. Um, the I'm just going to say, go ahead and get. Well, if you've read the first issue, you're probably going to read the second issue of uh, the Killer Affairs of the State. Still following along the um, from the first issue where my man's out of retirement, and uh, there's there's some political shenanigans going on um there's a uh there's the things that well he's content working at the the port where he's where where he, he belongs where his cover is uh but he does uh he does get to um go out with the HR chick and uh, they, 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 they have some fun at the end of their date. Um, but it's, there's a nice full page spread where um, he talks about people being hypocrites in the extremes and how they justify things. Everyone goes on about pollution and wanting to be green, but uh, you know, no one's willing to really make, the effort or, or, or a sacrifice and you know the what needs to be done to make the batteries for your cell phones but no one's giving up their cell phone anytime soon and um electric cars with all the batteries and how much ships are polluting waters just so that you know we can try to doesn't matter how long it may take for something to get to us because we think yeah it's fine we're saving the environment but it still has to get to us somehow so if it's chugging along on a boat over the water then you know that's not doing the water any favors. It is just so there's, there's some social commentary going on in here too. But uh, but it's still a little violent. Still a little. Um, not everybody is upfront and as clear as you'd like them to be. So I'm waiting for uh, the, the waiting to see how the things things are going to shake out as the uh, series series continues. So in your travels, check out the return of the killer uh, by. Archaea slash Boom Studios. Um, respect. So, in your travels, I uh, Dap gave us marching orders last week. The man, the man, <laughs> the man said he didn't. He he wasn't telling us because he was hoping we'd be interested. He was telling us we needed to do something, and uh, and that was to uh, pick up uh, XL Lenoir's. Uh, secret passages, and I'm not going to make that minor travels because Dap already spent a uh, a good chunk of last week uh, regaling you with its uh, brilliance and how much it meant to him. I will say that because uh, I I listened to my book, I bought it, read it, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's like you said, it's it's comic strippy, which I dug. It definitely was like had a like a Calvin and Hobbes vibe at times. Yes, um, the the. Art style reminded me at first, like as I was reading, I'm like, oh, what does this art style remind me of? And I couldn't really place it. And then I had an aha moment. Um, I don't know if you got this vibe, but it, it reminded me a lot of Brian Lee O'Malley. Um, okay, now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I'm not a huge Scott Pilgrim fan, but I like Brian Same. as a cartoonist. Um, you know, so, so, and I've liked his other works uh, quite a bit. So, so I, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's the, the, like the, and I'm speaking mainly to when she's drawing when, you know, the kids stuff, like that, when there's their young kids. But no, I thought it was really, really, it was really great. And, uh, and I can see why it really hit you 
Um, I, I'm interested because I know you're, I think you're a member of her Patreon or whatever. Like, how how many volumes of this is we're going to get? Because this was only a few years of her childhood. So, like, uh, she, yeah, she does have more. Um, there's more planned. They, uh, um, I think, well, right now, what if we were volume two is in this finishing stages and that should be out, um, probably by summer of, mm-hmm. of this year. Uh, so yes, there is more secret passages coming. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's a, there's a time frame or, or any sort of, uh, grand project plan. But yes, there is more coming because I mean, early on in the book, she's talking about how you know, yeah, I'm going to tell you about my life, and it's like, well, this was like just 14 months yeah, out of your yeah. young life, so I'm waiting to get. I mean, and it was neat that we get she kind of moves us forward in time, so she can kind of set things up. But but yeah, it, you're you're yes, more more is coming. Can't tell you when. Okay, um, my inner travels actually was go- is is going to be what if we were um, yes, yeah, so. Uh, and, and to be clear, for those, I, I actually, because I'm obsessed with impulsive, I when Depp said you got to read, uh, you got to read this. I went ahead and uh, bought uh, basically her whole catalog. So I went and read, uh, I, I read uh, Secret Passages eighty five eighty six. I read What If We Were, and I read uh, Camp Spirit. Um, but What If We Were, uh, yeah, I thought it was terrific. I mean, it's another one of those books that it. it I mean, it's it's actually won a couple of awards for youth. So I guess it's a YA book by design. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the story of, of, of two, uh, kind of like Felix and Oscar young women, <laughs> right? Like you've got your kind of like punk grungy and I assume kind of patterned after Axel herself, like, you know, brunette, uh, white girl. And then you've got, uh, then you've got this kind of a uh, little sassier, probably a little more mature, you know, got her shit together short-haired uh, uh, black woman and, you know, they're besties. And when they're bored together, they just sue what if we were? And it's just, you know, what if we were cryptologists? What if we were superheroes? What if, you know, and, and it, and it's just little vignettes. It's, it's little two, three, four page stories that uh, play off that. And uh, it's very light, you know, it's, it's, I don't think this is, this doesn't get too deep. It, uh, at least not until the end. I mean, the end, we start getting a little bit, like a little bit deeper in adult as they, kind of meet other people and that sort of thing but but yeah no i i thought it was a lot of fun i think the cartoon style in this is different than what we see in in passages mainly because they're they're young women you know they're 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 adults uh young adults but adults nonetheless and uh and because the conceit of the book is such that she gets to play with lots of different costumes and genres and settings and i thought it was fun it was a lot of fun you know it clearly axel is a fan of the of, of the strip world, you know, comic strips, because uh, both these books have that element to them. This probably more purely. I mean, this is almost, re- I mean, um, but uh, yeah, I thought they were both great. And I, and I, I, I the reason I, I didn't use Camp Spirit as Maynard Travels is because that was actually my favorite of the three. So I, I, I will save that for maybe we can, we can shut it up, but Sweet. Um, okay. yeah. But in your travels, check out Axel Lenoir if you needed a second uh, one of us to recommend it after Dab already told you to. Nice. Wow. Nice. Why don't you guys she's just... older than I thought. She's like 40, right? Dab? Uh, if she was, yeah, if, if, if she was if she was about six in 1985. Yeah. Yeah. So. Word up. 
think it's time for you two to get a damn room. Oh, relax. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here with us one more time around. We hope you come back for the next one. Please, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Go there. In the meantime, read some comics. Be nice to everybody around you. And say goodnight. Pew, pew. Pew, 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 David. Oh, it's a shorty. Yeah, simple and easy. Good night. Pew, pew, pew. David. Excellent. My my little boys are freaking out. It's probably my boneheaded son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll be back next week. Come join us. My dudes, tell them that you love them. Love them so much. So much. So freaking much. That's it for that one.